and welcome to Podcast Me Anything and Ask Me Anything for all things podcasting. I'm your host, Ben Cloy, and I'm joined here in the studio with Matthew Passy, the podcast consultant. Matthew and I wanted to move the conversations beyond the podcasting 101 topics and move into the intermediate to advanced podcasting strategy to reach your goals, to interact with the show, submit your questions to be answered live, book a podcast live with Matthew, or find the notes from today's show, head on over to podcastmeanything.com. Welcome back to another episode of Podcast Me Anything. We've got three topics, amazing topics, brand new topics we've never talked about. And honestly, I've never really heard them talked about anywhere else. They're kind of just in the back catalog of questions that never really get good answers. And most podcasters are just stuck with trying to answer. Welcome to podcast today, Matthew. Uh, so glad to be here, Ben. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. It's a Friday when we're recording this, which always makes it a good day because you can reflect on the week and get excited about the weekend. Or you can hopefully celebrate some wins throughout the week as well. I like that thinking. And today we're going to celebrate a win that we're recording on the day of recording that Captivate just dropped some interesting news for dynamic show notes. So Matthew, tell us why we should be excited for dynamic show notes. Yeah, I have to be honest. I, I really do love Mark Asquith. I really do love the team at Captivate. They are constantly innovating. They are constantly putting out new features. And they also do such a great job of making such a big deal out of things that sometimes they do these announcements and every so often I'm like, all right, this cannot be just another cool announcement. Like you guys are so good at prepping yourself up. Like <clears throat> one of these is going to be a little bit of a letdown. And I went into today's being like, after Amy, really, what can they do that would be so cool that, you know, Marcus, this is going to be amazing. Like, ah, I love you, Mark, but is it? I am so wrong. This was incredible. I I was blown away. I mean, I think, listen, it was really cool when Captivate brought in dynamic ad insertion, right? It's something that is a very, very cool tool to have. Lots of other platforms use it. They certainly, um, as usual, do it in a very thoughtful and, you know, really user-friendly way. And then, of course, they added things on top of it that we talked about. And we're not going to harp on. They were, they were very, very cool. And so I'm like, really, what can they do, though, that is so new and different? And When he started to explain what they're doing with this show notes generator, I was like, Pow. so what you have going on is now inside of Captivate, with all the different tools that they have available, you can auto generate show notes for your episodes based on dynamic tags. So. Captivate currently has a platform where you can uh, get your guests signed up and scheduled to, to be on your show. So like some of the things you could do is like you could pull information from the guest section of Captivate, right? Their background, their links, things like that. You can have your footers, right? That you, you know, actually they kind of have that now with what they call snippets. So if you go into Captivate, you're entering your show notes and instead of having to go back over and retype out Find me on this, listen to us on that, check us out on YouTube. You can go to snippets, boom, right? All that text is just kind of automatically added to the bottom of your thing, which is kind of cool. But these dynamic tags are so interesting because it's not just static content. It can literally change and update based on different pieces of information that are available all throughout your Captivate platform. What makes it really mind-blowing, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the first time anybody has done that for podcasting show notes, that's their claim. I'm confident that he's right about that. But what is really mind-blowing is that it can attach itself to your dynamic ads. 
So let's say it is coming up on February. You're doing a bunch of podcast ads around Valentine's Day, right? 1-800-Flowers is our sponsor. And so we say, you know, hey, it's coming up on Valentine's Day. Make sure you go to 1-800-Flowers, get your significant other, you know, really nice present. And, you know, we have uh, audio content that is reflected at the time. And then come March, we want to take that out and put in something different. Well, with the dynamic show notes, you can also include text content in your show notes that can update depending on the ad. So if you swap out the ad, right, maybe it says, you know, 1-800-Flowers for your Valentine's Day needs. And then in March, you change it to 1-800-Flowers, you know, get ready for Mother's Day now. It will also update that copy that belongs in your show notes for your text. And what was so fascinating to me about this was I was literally talking to a client earlier this week who was getting ready to start doing dynamic ad insertion on another platform. And they wanted to, and they said in the ad, check the show notes for a link to this thing. And I said, well, if you do that, that text is always going to live in the show notes, even if you pull the ad later or change the ad or whatever. And like, oh, that's a really good point. You know, we won't conclude it. But now you can include it and it can change and it can update and can be done dynamic. It is, I think the possibilities here are, are limitless and are breathtaking and once again, they are doing such a good job of being thoughtful, innovative, and making it easier for podcasters to do their job in less time. I absolutely love that. For one, you gave me the idea for an affiliate because I had never considered adding 1-800-Flowers as an affiliate to my podcast for Valentine's Day or any other special occasion throughout the year. So you gave everybody a breadcrumb there, which you were just using them as an example. And the other thing that kind of really struck me the way you described it was... RSS feeds have been kind of a very publish and then it's kind of done. It just lives out in the ecosystem of the internet and it's not something that ever gets more life to it. It just exists. It's born and then it's it. What you're actually describing is like a living, breathing RSS feed that will change and grow as this RSS feed grows, almost like a child growing up into an adult. And when you're a child, you often don't have a lot of big things going on, but maybe as you get older, you want to add other things to episodes in the beginning it allows you to like dynamically change the age and maturity of your podcast on the fly without having to do a lot of VA type work or outsourcing it or just mind numbing work where you're just like sitting down with a giant cup of coffee and hoping to get through it the next three hours. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a lot of clients who are constantly thinking about making changes to their show and then what are we going to do about the back catalog? And I'm usually, you know, I, I usually kind of talk, not that I talk them out of it, but they're always like, can you do that for me? I'm like, listen, I can, it's going to take a lot of time. And you know, that time is not free. So can we do it? Sure. But it would probably be cheaper to find somebody who could do it for at a much lower hourly rate and have them dedicated to doing it and get it done. And right. Like I'll kind of push them in that direction and give them the option. But now to think that there's a way that you can update all of this content, your text content, your audio content with a couple of clicks of the button, um, is really just incredible. And like you said, it, it keeps your RSS feed evolving, living and breathing. Um, now listen, the truth is if you go and you make a change to your RSS feed now, it, it will proliferate out there, but right. It means opening up your hosting platform, finding the episode, going to edit, making the change, hitting save, and then watching it happen. The fact that you can go and say, Oh, you know, in our footer, we currently tell people to go check out our other show cause pods. 
right? And maybe in a year from now, call spots doesn't exist. So what are we going to have people look at in the footer? Maybe we want them to look at this, or maybe we want to add another service, or maybe we've launched another show. And the fact that I can update that footer so that my entire back catalog is still helping me is really, really smart and, and really, really thoughtful. There's a couple different things that we don't leverage currently with your podcast, but I've learned along the way since I've switched to Captivate is their WordPress engine. So I integrate their WordPress engine into my website and Captivate dynamically creates a page on my WordPress site automatically. And now with this idea of being able to update it, I'm actually going to be able to dynamically update my web pages, which previously was a static idea that once that web page was there, it's I'm going to have to go back into all those individual web pages. So even if you updated your show notes, you'd still have to go get your information back in into the web page and updated. Now the integration with Captivate's WordPress engine with this dynamic, I can easily see myself updating the 200 plus episodes that I have on my daily podcast very quickly because of how the integration and, and also picking the right platform, which leads us into our next question is, Lots of times we hear great things coming out of Captivate. When I first met you, I'd never heard of Captivate until I met you. And then I was like, man, I just really like this editing podcast for you. I was like, I want this, but I was currently on another platform. And I was just like, do I want to make the switch? Is it worth the headache? Is it worth all the rewrite? And eventually I just got over it. And essentially what pushed me over the edge was when they updated their UI. I was like, this feels like 2021. What I was currently using or previously using felt like 1995. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm going in because I can't, I get frustrated when I go to publish my podcast and I get excited when I go to publish your podcast. So for the person out there in that similar moment, how does someone reconcile podcast platform guilt or podcast platform envy? And when do they pull the trigger? Well, a couple of things I would say to that. And one is, listen, we are not saying everybody should use Captivate, although I agree with you. I think it's a great platform. They're constantly adding features and and we like it. And we'll have a link where you can click and sign up. And yes, we'll get an affiliate fee for doing so. But either way, like I still think it's a good platform. But there's a lot of different reasons why people will, will want to switch platforms. Uh, one is that maybe you sign up for a free hosting site and they shut down because, you know, that's what happens when you're giving away a product that costs money to make and produce. And if you follow, I think it's Dave Jackson or Rob Greenlee, one of those guys, they keep like a running list of all the platforms that came out there as free hosting and then had to shut down or start charging and people who've been stuck or lost or, or whatever. So that's one reason you want to switch. Two is, right, you might be using a platform that is limited in the features that are available to you. And Listen, when you first started, it was okay, but as your podcast grows and it evolves and develops, you th you find that there are going to be some other features that you're going to want and need. So it's okay. What I would say is I wouldn't go crazy switching my hosting platform every time a new shiny object comes along and you're like, ooh, that's pretty. Let me switch my, my hosting platform yet again, right? That's probably going to be a recipe for disaster. But if you do it, you know, it, it is a it is a big decision. It takes a little bit of work. Um, and if you do it incorrectly, you will, your show will suffer. So what are the steps to do it and to do it correctly? Number one, the first thing is, is when you're choosing a new host, make sure that they will import your old content either very, very easily or ideally for free. Some platforms charge a one-time fee for it. It's, it's 
moderate and that's okay. Um, but if they're charging you for it, then, you know, it better be really, really easy. Like push in my RSS feed, hit submit, or don't worry, our team is going to take care of it for you and it better be done right. Two, um, make sure that whatever platform you are picking, and this is from the beginning, but also at this point, make sure whatever platform you're going to pick allows you to do a redirect. They don't put up huge hurdles or in some cases, they don't even know what a redirect is. If the company who you're going to work with doesn't say that redirects are possible, do not work with them. If you can't redirect your feed from one show to the other, you are going to be in trouble. So what do you do? You sign up for your new hosting platform, you import your show, right? And when you import your show, it's going to bring over your title, your artist field, your artwork, your description, uh, all of your episode audio, all of your episode titles, all of your show notes, all of your links, right? All that stuff is going to come with you. And basically it's going to replicate your show from old feed to new feed. Okay. In this case, just to, just to make it easier so that we know what we're talking about, we're going to say that the old show was on SoundCloud, right? If you're still using SoundCloud, this is one of those times where like, this isn't a, a joke, like start to migrate off of SoundCloud, but <clears throat> You were on SoundCloud. Now you're going to move over to, let's call it, I've been way too nice to them, but so let's call it Buzzsprout, right? Just so we're not too, too, too salesy for Captivate, even though I love them. So now you go over to Buzzsprout, you import your show, all of your content, all of your files, your entire show comes over. And now you have a brand, your show replicated directly on Buzzsprout. Great. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to take your brand new RSS feed that you got from Buzzsprout. You're going to go back to SoundCloud and you're going to insert that code into your redirect feed. Now, depending on the host, you're going to find in different places. Sometimes you do have to email support in order to do that, but you should be able to, you should be using a host that will allow you to redirect your feed. Once you plug in your Buzzsprout, your new RSS feed into your old podcast SoundCloud host, within a few minutes, maybe an hour, if you were to pull up your old R SoundCloud RSS feed, it should automatically open your Buzzsprout feed. This line of code is basically a thing that says, I see you're trying to read your SoundCloud RSS. Stop. It's over here. And so if you did this correctly, you should pretty much instantly be taken to your new Buzzsprout feed when you do the redirect. Now, here's the key. Here's the key. After you do this, don't immediately shut down SoundCloud. I'd say keep SoundCloud open for about maybe three to four weeks, at least a month, or at least until you've dropped about three to four episodes. The reason why is what that redirect does is it's going to tell the platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, right? Everyone that your feed that used to be hosted on SoundCloud can now be hosted here on Buzzsprout. What it's also going to do is it's going to tell all of your subscribers the same thing. Hey, you were getting the show off the servers that were on SoundCloud. Now you're going to start accessing that show off the servers here on Buzzsprout. The nice thing is nobody is going to know, right? Your users are not all of a sudden going to wake up one day to a notification that says podcast me anything is now being hosted by Buzzsprout. They'll have no idea. If you did this correctly, they will just get their next episode like clockwork. And so it'll be great. But the reason why you leave your SoundCloud open for three to four weeks is what if somebody skipped an episode? What if somebody hasn't opened up their podcast app in a little while, right? Like you don't want them opening up their app, looking for SoundCloud and not 
be given the instructions that they need to go over to Buzzsprout. So if you do the redirect correctly, you keep the old one open for a while, all of your new content is on Buzzsprout, your users who you currently have, your subscribers, followers, whatever you want to call them, will quickly follow you over and you won't lose anything. What will you lose? Your stats. We'll get a little bit more to stats later, but basically SoundCloud was measuring your downloads. Buzzsprout doesn't grab that information from SoundCloud. You are starting with zero from Buzzsprout. If you did your redirect correctly though, when you release your next episode, you should get the same amount of new downloads per episode that you were seeing over there. So while you were starting at zero, your momentum shouldn't decrease because you switched. Maybe a little bit again, because some people who were not really actively subscribing fall off, but very, very small difference. Or maybe your old host was not measuring your stats accurately using IAB. And so, right, you might see your numbers drop because now you're getting more accurate stats. But for the most part, your momentum should continue if you do it correctly. So that's what's going to happen to your stats. The other thing that's going to happen, and this is where it's a little bit more work and a little bit annoying. If you have a website and your process was to go to SoundCloud, grab the embed code from SoundCloud, paste that embed code onto embed code onto your onto your website and that's what users are using all those embed codes are going to break as soon as you shut down your soundcloud account so now you have to manually update all of your embed codes on your website to use the new buzzsprout embed codes even if you have a third party embed player you still have to update that mp3 link that you were getting from soundcloud because the file no longer exists on that server so that's where there's a little bit of work that has to be done and why switching hosts might be a difficult consideration for people, especially if we're talking hundreds or thousands of episodes on a website. But if you're doing it in the early stages, it's a little bit of a headache, but it's worth it. Um, the last thing is if you've been sharing links to your content on SoundCloud, right? Either a direct MP3 or your SoundCloud page that's generated for the link, Keep in mind, all those links, they're dead. So some of your old marketing material may die um, when you're doing this, but that's why we always say share links to your content, to your website, not to your hosting platform, because we don't need to give the hosting platform any more traffic, right? They're already getting it by you using them as a hosting platform. So those are like the big considerations when you are switching from one platform to another. Did I miss anything along the way that you think uh, I might have skipped? I don't think so. I think you hit all the things that I ran into in that process. And a measurement of a good platform, this process of migrating RSS feed on a good platform should be about five minutes. I think when I migrated to Captivate, it was maybe three. And I had 200 episodes that it imported automatically. So like, it's not a very intensive process. The cleanup maybe can be, but the actual most critical part, getting your MP3s on this new hosting server, that should be very seamless and a good test of when to switch. There was another thought that kicked into my mind of how do you know if maybe you're on the wrong platform or if this is a question you actually should wrestle with a little bit, how much do you feel the platform understands your why? Because some platforms, they create a podcasting platform for the sheer sake of business. And you may feel that business transaction either through the lack of communication, the lack of effort, the lack of design, lack of upgrades. But one thing you should feel, and I've felt this from Buzzsprout when I've met them in person at different podcast conferences, I've met and seen it with Captivate as well from the way they orchestrate different launches like you mentioned, and just the way they're always bringing value and understanding this is why you do it and they're trying to enhance 
that process. Like Buzzsprout is a good example. They pick like 10 people in their podcast catalog to get free tickets to go to podcast movement because they understand how good and important that is to get to those types of events. When you see a company do that type of thing when they don't have to, those are good indicators that you're getting in bed with the right company who's invested in making sure that you grow your podcast. And there was one other thought that I would put on top of that. If you're really struggling, like if you're 50-50, this could also be tied with a good time to update a website. Because for example, had you married with PodPage and your website, PodPage has a simple button in the background, refresh web pages from content. And it would regenerate all your web pages based on the new SRs new RSS feed, or even in the context of what we just talked about, dynamic ad insertion and the dynamic show notes. So your ability to update and thrive could just be like, you know what? My website hasn't been that great. My link structure, my design hasn't been that great. We did that with CausePods about a year and a half ago and CausePods previous website to current website, nine day difference. And it was all kind of tied to the same idea. It was like, we need to upgrade the website. Now we didn't change from posting platform, but it still allowed us to create a much better experience. And those two thoughts can be, it can be a good time to refresh, not just your RSS feed and your hosting platform where you upload, but the entire experience and what you're able to offer different customers. And and going back to what you were saying, I mean, I think we we tackled how to choose a podcasting host in one of our early episodes together, but right, one, how invested are they in the community that they serve? The other thing that I would check is what is their core focus, Right. Even some of the, there's a lot of big players entering the space, right? Like Kajabi or Substack, like companies that are very, very well suited to do what they do are just kind of also adding podcasting. SoundCloud was kind of the same thing. We do music, but you can also do a podcast. And what, what I find with those companies is that they don't do it well. They do it enough, right? They have a minimally viable product, but they're the kinds of platforms that won't allow you to do a redirect or won't be doing IAB statistics or whatever. And those are things that can impact the performance and stability of your show in the future and lead to some headaches. So, right, like either A, check the features of the hosting platform to make sure they have what you need. B, check and make sure that the company is invested in podcasting, right, the community as well as the space itself, and also check their reliability. You know, there are some there are some of the older podcasting companies that the reason why they are older podcasting companies and the reason why they are still so popular and still so well used is because they know what they're doing. They have relationships with all the right people in the space. They are up to date on what is the requirements of podcasting and they are reliable. Libsyn, Blueberry, Buzzsprout, Podbean, Captivate, right? Like these are players that know how important it is for your podcast to work when people need it. And that's, and they do, they just work. I will never tell a person not to use Libsyn because 99 times out of a hundred Libsyn works. And that's a very, very important feature. By the way, Libsyn just updated their interface again, officially for everybody. So yeah, go check them out They're They're, they're looking a little bit better every day. Yeah. So let's pivot into a different question, but we already kind of flirted it and you hinted at it as well. As a podcaster, the first thing that you start looking at after you launch a podcast is the statistics. It's the one thing that's shared. It's the one thing that people talk about, who's got bigger downloads. And 
also, it's the first time where you might also start questioning where pod fade can kick in before you reach past your like the critical 10 episode where most people give out on is, is anybody listening? And it can be one where it can be a mind mess as well. Like trying to like use the statistic to validate, like, should you keep investing energy? And so it's a multifaceted sword that isn't necessarily just an easy black and white answer, but necessarily it's still an important question for indie people and brand podcasts because marketing people are looking to measure the ROI and statistics aren't necessarily the best ROI for a podcast until you've got traction, until you've got time in your RSS feed within almost like a year, I would say, then you can maybe start using your statistics to maybe leverage something. But what's your opinion on it when people come to you and like, how do I understand my statistics? Well, and this question, we decided on this question because that first piece that we talked about when switching hosts, right? Oh no, I'm going to lose all my downloads from my one host to the other. I'm going to start with zero. Who cares? The total number of downloads that you have for a show is 100% a vanity metric. Now, that said, it's a great feel-good vanity metric. Shows that reach 100,000, a million, 10 million downloads feel good about themselves. But I ask you, how good is a million downloads if you've put out 10 episodes? Amazing. 100,000 downloads per episode. How good is a million downloads if you've put out 100,000 episodes? Not very good at all. So total downloads overall is 100% a vanity metric. And so the fact that you might lose your legacy downloads from one host to the other should not be a factor in switching. One, a good host allows you to download your old uh, stats, right? So you want to you wanna know what your total legacy downloads are? Great. Before you shut down SoundCloud, hit download. Keep track of that number. I had a million downloads from SoundCloud and just add whatever you get on your new platform to that and you have your legacy downloads. Not a big deal. But when you are talking about important metrics, the metric that is probably the most important, this is the one that most advertisers are going to look at, is your downloads per episode. And it's mostly the downloads per episode within 30 days of release. That's how a lot of ad rates are based on. How many downloads does an episode get within 30 days of release? Now, it's hard to say what should be a good number for you, right? Everybody is going to have a different target audience. Listen, if you have a general audience, you should be getting lots of downloads. If you have a very niche audience, uh, you know, maybe a couple of dozen downloads does the trick for you. But that's the number that you kind of want to be looking at and tracking and charting is, is my downloads per episode number going up on a regular, consistent basis. Now, how many downloads per episode is good? Well, a few years ago, and I apologize, I know they've updated these numbers. They haven't changed too much, but it's always the, the one that I always find very easily. There's this A16Z and Dreesen Horowitz report on podcasting from 2019, and they include this chart from Libsyn of the download podcast download distribution. All right. And what this says is that if you get 124 downloads per episode, you are in the median of podcasters, meaning 50% of the podcasters out there get more than 124 per episode and 50% get below 124 per episode. If you are getting 1,100 downloads, you're in the top 20%. So now 80% of podcasters get less than 1,100 downloads per episode. 3,300 downloads, the top 10%. 5,000 downloads, the top 7.1%. 70, I think it's 7,800, top 5%. 20,000, the top 2%. 
35,000 downloads per episode, the top 1% of all podcast creators. But again, this is a general market, all podcast number. That's not to say that you are not successful because you're only getting 124 downloads per episode. I have plenty of clients who are very happy with 124 downloads per episode because two of those clients pay for all their podcasting expenses for the year, right? So it's not, it, don't look at your total numbers compared to other shows, total numbers, but you do want to see that episode, that download per episode number creeping up every single time you release an episode. It's going to take time in the beginning, right? Don't expect it to happen the first day or the first week, right? The first time you put out a show, there's going to be people who come in for the excitement. And then there are going to be people like, this is exciting. I don't really like it. Or this is exciting. I don't really need it. So like, you know, give yourself that three to six months to kind of let the, the chaos of launching even out and then see what your real trajectory is. What I would say on top of all of that is if you put out an episode and you routinely get about call it 30 to 40 downloads per episode routinely. While those should be filtered out, my sense is a lot of that is like bot type traffic. Traffic that just happens because you've put out a podcast. Certain platforms are caching episodes or collecting, you know, are just scouring the web and seeing what's out there and collecting episodes. And so I'd say if you're in that 30 to 40 download per episode range, unless you are actually seeing 30 to 40 people comment or rate review or, you know, reach out to you on social media, you're not telling enough people about your content. I like what you said there because it highlights the, the importance of the present with statistics that what's happening right now is the only thing that matters. So whether you're on your old platform or your new platform, you still always understand what's happening in the present. And Captivate does that really well for the last seven days, last 30 days on your overall downloads. And it's always showing you what old content is being downloaded. So from that point of view, it really does add it. And also something I like within the Captivate statistics that you don't always get on the other ones is unique listeners. So it's actually taking a snapshot of IP addresses that are coming across with the RSS feed and trying to actually gauge how many unique people are out there looking at your content. And I actually would, I almost enjoy that number more than the overall downloads because those are actually people's lives that you're helping. And you're not just like someone like that binge watch Netflix. You're, you're an actual, like that's a number of people that are being impacted. Um, and it has a little bit more of a do good feel to it than just the statistics. I would also say that if you want to get a little bit more granular, because this also comes in a, a lot is like, how do I find out who's listening or what am I, what's the listener makeup? Most of these platforms will tell you your downloads and remember all plays are downloads, not all downloads are plays. So if you go to the website, you hit play on the embed player, even though you're streaming it technically, that, that content is being downloaded to play it. But I subscribe to a podcast and the kids are sick and I haven't listened to an episode in a few weeks and there's like 10 of these episodes sitting on my phone. That show got 10 downloads, but I didn't get to play any of them. Now, you know, surveys suggest most downloads, 70 to 80% of downloads do turn out to be plays. But just know that's that's how it works. And all of your hosting platforms should be able to tell you roughly what countries are your downloads coming from? What kind of devices, mobile, desktop, what platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Chrome, Safari, blah, blah, blah. And in the overall share of podcasting, you know, if you're following what the what the average is, 
you should be seeing about 60%-ish of your downloads coming from Apple, 20%-ish coming from Spotify, and then the rest, you know, a different amalgamation of Google, your website, things like that. If you're seeing a ton of downloads that are purely coming from like Chrome or Safari or, you know, Firefox, that means you're not getting subscribers. That means people are somehow being driven to your content on a web page. And for one reason or another, there's a chance that they might not really be listening or intending to check out your content. You really want to get those content that those downloads coming through platforms. But the other thing to think about is you can get more granular data about your podcast from the platform specifically. So if nothing else, make sure when you set up your podcast or if you haven't, make sure you claim your podcast. We've, we've probably talked about this before, but make sure you have access to your show on Apple Connect or Podcast Connect from Apple, Spotify uh, backend, and now the Google Podcast Manager. Apple gives you a ton of more granular information about listeners, unique listeners, how long people are listening for, right? If 80% of your audience is dropping off 20 minutes into a show, you're doing something wrong 20 minutes into a show and you probably need to look into that. Um, or if people are leaving after two minutes, like, oof, not doing a great job, right? So like there's good data on Apple to check out. Spotify is great because people have to log into use Spotify and so they can give you a little bit more in terms of demographic, male, female, age, breakdown, things like that. And so you can get a sense of like, oh, look, this show is being consumed by mostly 99% men, 35 to 45, right? We're not very diverse. We need to work on that. Um, so Spotify is kind of is good for that. Google is the most interesting out of all of them, in my opinion. Now, the only problem with Google is most people aren't using it. So it's not like, I don't think it serves as a great sample size, but because Google's analytics are connected to Google, right? The world's largest search engine. Uh, they'll tell you, you know, plays, plays in the first 30 days, average, how long people are playing the episode for. Um, they'll tell you the kind of devices, but more importantly, they'll tell you how did people find your show? They'll give you the top search terms. They'll give you what episodes were discovered by impressions, by clicks, by click-through rates. And that can be super, super powerful in helping you plan out future episodes and in how you market your podcast to reach your target audience. So I, I can't stress it enough. Look at, you know, work with the platform that's IAB certified and gives you the right download numbers for your overall picture. But then make sure you also have access to Podcast Connect from Apple, your Spotify podcaster dashboard and get yourself the podcast manager from Google because um, they're giving some interesting information. Amazon's going to have that stuff too. I don't know what they're going to provide, but you know, keep an eye on it. Some of the other ones, Stitcher does it. I don't know how many people, how many downloads people get on Stitcher. It's probably not too, too important. Um, but yeah, that's, those are some things you should also be looking at. Get Stitcher after your podcast platform tells you that Stitcher is blowing up and figuring out what's going on over yeah, there. That's a really good, yeah, that's a good example. <laughs> and it's what you're also talking about here and to kind of gift wrapped and put a bow on this whole thing is it's not one number. It's a holistic picture. And one thing that I've often always kind of look at or even when I'm looking for guests or looking for other podcasts to go on that's more nuanced and it's or less nuanced and more just kind of granular and less based on downloads is Listen Notes provides a global ranking and a listener score. Like both are proprietary numbers of how they truly calculate it, but it'll tell you, is your podcast in the top 2%, the top 5%? And it doesn't take very much to look at. And like, for example, my podcast, I get about 150 downloads an episode and I'm in the top one and a half percent. 
And you can also Google like Joe Rogan's podcast. It'll tell you what his global ranking is. It could tell you what other big players in your podcast network arena or your niche area, what they're getting. And you're like, wow, this person is just only a few strokes ahead of me. And you might think they're miles ahead of you when the reality is you're in the same ball court of actually ranking in the 3 million downloads. Now you have to season it with, there's a lot of downloads or podcasts that never get downloaded. So it's very easy to get in the bottom but it also just kind of gives you a good comparison of what's working and what's not. I I agree with the sentiment, but I disagree that listen notes is information is factual. There's something a lot of, I've been seeing a lot of posts lately about people asking like, listen notes says I'm in the top 10% of blah, blah, blah. And, and it feels like everybody's in the top 10% or everybody is this and everybody's that. So I like, I, I like the idea. I don't know how many people really listen. I don't know what kind of, sample size it is and if it's a, a an accurate enough but also i don't know if it is just a way to stroke your ego so that you continue to use listen notes um so i mean yeah it's good information but i would definitely 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 take it with a grain of salt i agree again it's the holistic and it's um like for me the number one thing i look at is when i'm looking for other podcasts like it's going to give you an initial gut feeling is this guy just getting started is he never been able to get traction or does he have some type of traction? And that kind of just gives you that calibration and that gut feeling. Because podcasting is a lot of walking in the dark and not knowing where you're going sometimes. And so, like, it's again, it's a holistic process of understanding the whole picture and figuring out where to make the right decisions to go forward, which is what this entire episode has been about is strategically and holistically looking at the entire big picture of your platform and figuring out what do you need to change, what do you need to modify, and what's the best approach to keep going forward. I like it. Well, Matthew, this wraps up another episode of Podcast Me Anything. If you want to go check out and try a seven-day trial for Captivate, go check out podcastmeanything.com forward slash Captivate, where you can get your seven-day free trial to check out that platform. Test it out before you ever actually decide to migrate your podcast. Well, Matthew, this does it for another episode. Until next week. Great to talk to you, Ben.